reading a reading from Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, become like him in his death, and that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word of the Lord. I'm excited that you're here this morning, and um, today we have something special in store. Um, and just to frame out uh, the Advent season a little more, uh, today we're going to do something called a diff panel, where I actually interview people that are important to me, and I, I believe important to us, and hear their testimonies uh, in lieu of a message. But I also want to share that next week, in the following week, and in the coming weeks, I'll be preaching quite a bit. So uh, if you're new with us and would like to hear me uh, preach, uh, someone says, I want to hear you preach. I'm glad you want to hear me preach. Uh, we invite you to come back next week and during the season of Advent. But I think today we have an opportunity to hear the voices of our collective team. And what I mean by that is I'm going to be inviting Cody Quinn, come forward, our director of student ministry here, uh, Trenton Durham, come on up, our director of worship, and then Molly Kurtz, our director of Diff Kids, come on up. And let's give them a round of applause. And what we do is uh, every, probably quarterly, we do a panel like this. We, I call it a popcorn panel in the sense that we're just going to all um, answer questions about our own story as it relates to this passage and what I invite you to do is hear how you can connect to their story and really God's story through them. In our church, I think God is weaving together a beautiful, diverse tapestry, if you will, with each one of our stories being an important part of that tapestry. So let me begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into this time together. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And then the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, first, let's get to know you uh, a little bit. Where? It's going to be curious because we did have some people here that had visited your hometown, but where 
Where's your hometown? Where are you from, Cody? My hometown is Beulahville, North Carolina. Who else here is from Beulahville, North Carolina? Wait, hold up. Who's from that area? Raise your hand. In the back. I know we have some. They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. About that. Beulahville, North Carolina. Okay, so we got Beulahville represented. Just in case anyone wanted to know. Okay, Molly, where are you from? All right, I'm from Ohio, and as I get more nervous, my accent will come out. But I'm from Northeast Ohio, um, Akron Canton area, a little town called Hartville. And last night I was talking to my dad, and he said, make sure you give a shout out to uh, the family up north. So hi, Mom and Dad. Okay, there, good. Okay, so in fairness to Cody, how many people from North Carolina are in the room? Raise your hand. Okay, so a decent amount. How many from Ohio are in the room? Raise your hand. We've got two, three, four, something good. Um, Trenton, where are you from? Suburbs of Charlotte, so just north of Charlotte and Concord, up by the Speedway, NASCAR town. Great. So um, and you guys, the North Carolinians, invited people here today. That's great. You're, you're better represented than Ohio. All right, so let's dive, let's dive into And I'm originally from Florida, just in case you want to know. Um, let's dive into this passage. Um, you know, looking at your faith journey, in one word as a child growing up, how would you describe your faith journey? Um, perseverance would be, I think, my family's sort of motto for how um, faith has played out in their lives and my life. Um, just constantly at church, constantly um, seeking, seeking to do the Lord's will and whatever they're doing in their life, even in seasons where that maybe is not quite as easy as in other seasons. Um, and just constantly pursuing the Lord and his church and the work of his church. Um, my word would be intentional. Um, my family, if you know any Kurtzes, you know that we're go-getters and we're ready to go. And I was the oldest of four kids, so my parents were ready to go to parent me. And they sought all the resources to figure out how to parent me in a godly way. And they really set the tone for a godly atmosphere in our home and really made sure that... Um, their parenting reflected who God was so that as they were guiding me, I would be able to understand um, what God sounds like, what he looks like, and um, I would say intentional in a lot of different ways like that. Yeah, and for me, I would say surface level. So I grew up in church. My parents made sure I was there, um, but it was a v very much so a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night kind of faith, and it really didn't bleed into my life until later on, but very surface level. Well, considering your upbringing, um, in what ways we read in this passage in the book of Philippians, like Paul is a spiritual father and mentor to the Philippians, and we've been working our way through this book of Philippians. In what ways, like Paul, did you have either your parents or mentors kind of shape you or pour into you? What, what are some things maybe they did? Yeah, so starting with my parents, um, they made sure that I knew how important church was, how, how important it was to be there. I grew up playing sports and, and doing all in that world, but they made sure that we knew how important it was to be um, at church. Um, but also just uh, my youth pastor when I got to high school. So I switched churches, um, middle school and high school, and the youth pastor there really poured into my life and helped me to, to deepen my faith beyond the surface level um, and into the everyday life. And so my youth pastor was a, a huge mentor in my life. When I was thinking about this question, the, I started making a list, and the list of 
all the people and all the resources and all the ways that um, my mentors and my parents intentionally put my uh, path to cross with many godly people and resources, is, it was very long. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about that they did all the time, we always had Christian radio on in our house, like 24-7, like it almost, the radio was almost never off. And um, up north we have Moody Radio, which was full of old, old-time preachers, um, lots of praise music, and so that was constantly in the background. And so that kind of gave me an appetite for truth very early on. And um, so that was one way. I also, um, our family did a lot of things together. Uh, we did mission pro- projects together. We um, memorized scripture together and presented it in front of people. And um, we also, from the age of three, I started this kids club called Awana. And it's an old time, um, kind of been around for a long time, where you go and kids get to have fun and learn about Jesus. But um, one of the ways that they can uh, earn fake money to go to the fake store <laughs> is to memorize verses. So I was like memorizing as many verses as possible. You wanted that so fake that money. I could get, get that fake money. And that was Christmas for my parents and my siblings. And that was just a really fun thing for me. And so that has put a lot of God's word in my heart. And I have used those resources many, many times. Wait, before you pass it. Sorry, Trenton. <laughs> Um, you mentioned something in the first service about what your dad did on the way to church. Can you mention that briefly? Yeah. So my family is super intentional, as I said, and just the, the ways are innumerable um, that they shaped my heart and guided and really discipled me along the path and brought people that would be able to disciple me. And one of the ways that my dad and my family and my parents were intentional on the way to church is my dad always made a tradition to pray with um, the family out loud. And so his eyes would be open. All our eyes were supposed to be closed. And we, um, we just would pray for our family. We would pray for um, the needs around us. We'd pray for the world. And it was just a really special time for us. Definitely a, a sacred tradition in our family. Yeah, so uh, the list would be long if I went through it. Um, but the, the big two are my parents. Um, so when I was about nine years old, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and seeing the way that her and my father persevered through that and the, the way that they loved each other and loved God through that and ultimately the way that our church surrounded them. Um, I don't think we cooked meals for like six months or something crazy like that. Um, so seeing their, fest sort of tested, their faith sort of tested and strengthened in that moment um, set a firm foundation for me to build on for the rest of my life. Um, and then in addition to that, when I went to college, I had a mentor who was the um, head professor of the worship arts department that I graduated from. Um, named Timothy Wilds, and initially when I came to college, I was trying to do music business and Bible um, and not thinking about worship arts at all, because I was like, that's kind of a lame degree. Like, why would I do that? Um, But with some persistence on his part, he kind of showed me my calling and kind of showed me my gifting and how um, I was responsible to the church to use that and um, really challenged me in a way that nobody else had up to that point. And um, even now, um, he's one of our best friends. When we go up to Asheville, we get dinner with him and his family. Um, and sort of the challenge that he put on my life is a constant reminder of there's always work to do and there, that um, God is calling me to something bigger. Yeah, some of the, the markers I just heard, um, pursuit, like your youth pastor pursuing you and your, your father with the prayers, um, the intentionality with that. Trenton, you, you touch on pain and how your parents dealt with pain and the, just the, the hardship of cancer and how they 
together and with your family persevered through that. Uh, and then obviously your professor pursuing you as well. So some of the things we can maybe take away. Uh, we read in today's passage, quote, but whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing my, excuse me, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, end quote. So gang, when did you come to trust in Jesus as, quote, my Lord? And how did that change the course of your life? So I, my mom grew up Christian, and my dad converted to Christianity shortly after they met or got married, one of the two. Um, so by the time I was born, we were in church every single day, uh, it felt like at least. Um, and so I've always grown up in and around the church, and I've always known that God exists and God loves me. And so I've never had that moment of like, yesterday I didn't believe, but now I do. Um, rather, it's been more of a continual awareness of the fact that I'm loved and I'm part of this family called the church. Um, and there's been moments, like I had a VBS moment when I was seven or eight where I made the public profession um, and I got baptized when I was 12. So there's been moments of sort of um, clarity with that calling and that belonging. Um, but ultimately, it's just a constant feeling I've had since I was a young child. Um, the word legacy was a, one that was very um, important to our family. And my parents would often tell me, like, we, are, we love Jesus in our family, and we have the privilege of having our grandparents on both sides love Jesus, and so you are part of a legacy. And so I had that growing up a lot in my mindset, and from a very early age, um, you know, just in the atmosphere of church and of uh, that intentional environment, uh, a spiritual tone was set for me. Mm. And I would say that, just like them, I grew up in knowing kind of the things, but I would say there was one moment that I point to as like my salvation moment. And it was like my first um, memorable encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was six. Sorry, I'm always kidding. Um, when I was six, I was watching a cartoon <laughs> video of Jesus and it was like not even really important to the story, but I just remember a cartoon character running towards cartoon Jesus and leaping into his arms. And for some reason, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, that's what I wanna do for you. And it was beautiful, like, for my heart to realize that for the first time as a six-year-old. And actually, it was my grandma's birthday um, when, I, when I had that moment. And I went to my dad. I was like, Dad, I think I want, to, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And it was like, from that moment on, like, I kept having experiences like that. And it's been a process of learning and growing in, in him and understanding why all, of these, why all of these principles that my parents are teaching me work together to show me who God is. And like when God, when my parents tell me to put others before myself, it makes sense now because Jesus put me before himself on the cross. And so that all started to click as I continued to grow in my journey. And for me, again, it's just a testament to my parents. And just like them, we kind of grew up in the church. And having that in place uh, just started the faith very young. And um, I remember one time in, in elementary school, I was sitting in the rows of the church and the pews of the church. And um, the pastor gave the altar call at the end of service. And I knew that I should go up. And I knew that I believed that Jesus was my Lord and, and all that, but I didn't go up at that moment. Um, but knowing um, that Jesus was my Lord in elementary school and then in high school, um, just because of the consistency of my youth pastor, 
Um, it went from the service level, service level of Jesus loves you to, hey, God's called you to, to more, um, really happened in high school. I'm usually not going to answer a question with the panel, but I feel prompted to answer for someone, maybe for some reason this will click. But um, I came to faith in VBS, uh, and not actually in the VBS. I was probably around four, and uh, my church growing up had this little chapel, and there was a garden of Gethsemane um, stained glass kind of window, and it showed Jesus praying. And for whatever reason, three or four, it clicked. I fell to my knees by myself on the way to the bathroom and gave my little heart to the Lord. But I think about my own journey, and I think about the multiple times I've done that. And um, the, the one I want to share is actually, um, I have one brother who uh, we almost lost to drug addiction. And so around 16, 17, um, my family did an intervention for Chris. And um, it was so painful. And we didn't know whether he'd receive the help he needed. He ended up going into rehab and He's now decades sober. He's a pastor like me. But I just remember as a, a brother thinking I might lose my brother. And I didn't, I didn't have any way to help other than to pray. And that's what I did. And, um, and so I, I think in that moment, God saw my pain. And I think I saw God's pain in his heart, not just to like, be the sovereign Lord, but to be the Savior dropping in to our grit and our grime and, and caring with a love that has power over all things. All right, next, next question. In our passage, the Apostle Paul seems to acknowledge his own credentials while simultaneously claiming their worthlessness in comparison to knowing Jesus. How have you battled pride in your own life and how has that impacted your relationship with God and others? Yeah, so I graduated from Liberty University with my undergrad in religion. And uh, I came or I came home, I did uh, my college online. And I had been reading all this stuff about the church. And I had t taken an internship at a big church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And I came back after the internship back to my home church. And me and my best friend were leading a student ministry on the weekends, and it was for area church kids. You know, you didn't have to just come to our church. You could come over. And I remember in, in the planning, um, doing all that week to week, um, anytime we'd have ideas or we're thinking, what should we do, uh, I always had the best idea. And I always told him, hey, we should do this. We should do that. This is what I learned at intern. This is what I did here. And he looked at me one day and just called me out and said, dude, you're not the smartest one here all the time. You don't have the best ideas all the time. And it just really humbled me and showed me that, when looking back now, how even in life, and me and Kelsey's had a lot of transition this year, um, how you don't have to know everything. It's, it's not required. You don't. And um, this pride that you have, you can humble yourself and just trust in Jesus along the way. Um, I would say, as growing up, I was the kid that knew all the answers. <laughs> when you grow up in the environment that I grew up in, that was kind of how I was, I, the stage was set for me to just know everything. <laughs> and so I think there's a level of pride with that, and then um, having to figure out what to do with that knowledge. And I think also, I've also 
become aware that the more you know about Jesus and then going to Bible school and practicing theology and writing papers and papers about um, theory and different things, um, the more you know, you're actually more accountable with that information before before the Lord. Like, not just before people, but like, it, it's like Jesus is telling me, you know me, you know me at this level, what are you going to do about it? And, and I think there's a level of humility that I have to acknowledge that I don't always deal with that mm. knowledge well. And, I, and knowing it and doing it are two different things. And so sometimes I know, because I know the answers, I know I'm not submitting. I know I'm not surrendering. And so in those moments, those are, those are when I have to battle and I have to come back to the truth. And um, the, that's something that I'm continually working on. And uh, another thing that I was thinking about and something that's recently been a battle um, for, for me is just receiving from the Lord um, what he says about me. Sometimes that's just hard because I know the doing and I know, like, it's hard for me to, like, picture Jesus' face and him, like, be completely proud of me. But I know that's how he, that's how he looks at me. And so I think receiving that and walking in that, um, when Ryan Reeves came, he talked about how we've been put on the salvation path, and when, when it says for us to work out our salvation, it means just keep walking on the path. And that was really helpful for me because sometimes I feel like I have to keep getting back on the path, but really I don't. I just have to keep doing the things I know that, that I need to be doing. And I think that's an area of pride that if I can just stop pausing on the road, just keep doing what God has called me to do. Yeah, I think pride's interesting because it's always something you have to continually readdress. Um, so I had a distinct moment in college my freshman year. Um, I'm sure none of you guys felt this way, but you go to college and you're like, I know everything now. Like, you guys should really listen to what I have to say. Um, and so I was, like, studying for a final or working on a paper or something with a, a good friend of mine. And we were at Denny's at 2 o'clock in the morning because, again, college, that's what you do. And um, at Denny's at 2 o'clock, and then there's another group of guys. Two guys are on another table and they're working on similar projects for a similar class, and so we end up joining our tables together. We're talking about theology and all this stuff, and at one point, I can't remember what he said, but he said something, and my brain just went, you can't be a Christian and think that. And then it came out of my mouth, which is the bad part. Um, and thanks be to God that they were very gracious in the way they responded to me, but I had this kind of humbling moment of, wow, I really think I know everything, um, and I don't. Like, we all, we all are coming from places. We've, we have history, we have families. Um, and those, those stories that we kind of bring into our faith um, affect the way that we see things. And me assuming that my way is the right way um, was pretty proud. And so in the years to come, um, just attending different churches um, that I may not have thought I would ever attend, um, and being friends with Christians who think very differently than I do, um, just has kind of opened my eyes to the fact that this family called the church is a lot bigger and a lot broader than we think it is. And... Um, and it's something that I'm learning to be very fortunate of and very um, proud just to be in this amazing family. So we also read in our passage, quote, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Moreover, Paul shares his deep desire uh, is to, quote, be found in him, meaning Jesus. So guys, how do you personally create space to both connect with Christ and to grow your relationship with him. So I think the starting point for a connection with Christ is obviously prayer, just communing with him and talking to him. 
Um, and so our staff does that on Thursday mornings. We get together and pray um, for one another and for our church and um, for the world. So that is definitely a regular rhythm um, that I think is super important. Um, beyond that, for me, music's huge. Um, just the ability to worship God in a way that transcends language um, and is more experiential. And then thirdly, um, just joining with him on mission and being conscious of the ways that um, Brooke and I can serve our community and um, our neighbors and learning what it means to love God and love our neighbor well. I'm going to go again back to the intentionality of my parents. So as soon as I uh, accept Jesus as my Savior, um, my parents were intentional about helping me form disciplines that would help me along the way. And so one of the things that they gave me was a prayer sheet, worksheet, and then a um, Bible study worksheet. And they would make me do the prayer and Bible study sheets throughout the week, and then periodically they would check up on me. <laughs> and so I really honestly didn't really love it then um, at all. In fact, sometimes I would try to figure out when they were going to check up on me and like do like 10 at one time just so it looked like I was doing something. Um, but uh, they were really intentional about helping me to form that discipline. And I can honestly say now, um, I, you know, I, faithfulness with that discipline and with time with the Lord and space, whether I write it down or not, is, is something that I constantly I'm working on, but the fact that they were intentional with that discipline showed me the value of it and the importance of it, and um, I now have journals full of prayers and records of what God has done and encouragements along the way where people have um, sent me notes or maybe a, like a sermon really stuck out to me. I have notes in there from from that, that, and so I have journals and journals um, of basically I, I consider a record of God's faithfulness in my life, and I've been able to, in times when it's rough, like look back and see God's faithfulness, and it's so beautiful. Two things for me, um, I know, again, uh, so me and my wife got married, moved states, and started new jobs um, all this summer, and so more so than ever, I've had to find the time in my life to block out and say, okay, Jesus, here I am. And uh, for me in my life, that's lunchtime. But then also I heard a podcast several years ago, um, and it was talking about the scripture, pray without ceasing, um, and how you do that in your life. How do you live that out? And the guy that was being interviewed, he said that in his life, he just finds everyday things that he, that he does and brings them back to Jesus. So for instance, when you're driving down the road, just pray that God will guide you in your life and and just be thinking and, and praying to Jesus about that. And that's one way that um, in my life I can, I can live out every day. Um, Jesus, I need you. And uh, full disclosure, for those who aren't Christians or um, have been watching the people around you who may have faith, like watching how they do it and thinking there's some bar you have to jump over. Uh, I learned when I went to seminary that... Actually, the smartest people in the room, the professors, often had the simplest faith walks. And, uh, and that's not my story. When I was at Wheaton College, I went to Wheaton as an undergrad. I was a business and economics major. And uh, Carly and I got married. She was at the first service, but um, there's truth to this. You can ask her. Um, I was reading E.M. Bounds, who's a holiness pastor of old, and some great writings, but he Ian Bounds used to wake up uh, three hours before the sun rose and jump into the word and prayer. So 
I thought I was supposed to be Billy Graham, so I, I set my clock for 4, 4 a.m., and I, I did it. I was so good at it for like three weeks. <laughs> and then I was so bitter. I was like, what is this? And, um, you know, the beauty, I think, of the gospel and your faith journey is the more you know, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, the more you look to him as a child. You look to God as a child. In fact, the best definition of spiritual discipline I've ever heard is from an author who's now passed on, but his name's Henry Nouwen, and he defines spiritual discipline as simply creating space for God. So it's not doing more. In fact, it's actually sometimes doing less so that he can show up more. Uh, for the men in this room, I actually want to give you permission, whether or especially the students in this room. Here, you probably see me around Daniel Island um, doing a couple things. Either I'm walking around Smythe Lake with my wife, um, or I'm paddleboarding. And in both instances, I open up those times with just a word of prayer, and I turn off my technology, and I get outdoors. Oh, I also fish. Amen? <laughs> that is one of the healthiest rhythms for my life, is to get outdoors, and to create silence, and to create space, sometimes alone, sometimes with my wife, sometimes with just friends. But that's an invitation in a simple way to create space to enjoy or rejoice in what? The Lord. Find safety in him and to grow in him. Let's see. Um, now to our last question. What is your hope for the Daniel Island Fellowship? Specifically for the students of, of the church, um, I know for me, one of my biggest mentors was my youth pastor, as I mentioned before. And uh, if I can just guide the students of the church and the kids of the church, just as my youth pastor did, to, to know Jesus more and to live him out in my everyday life, um, that is the goal. That is my, my dream for the students here. Mine would be, um, based upon my history and my love, um, the, theme, the theme of family has been big for me, um, even before I came to Daniel on Fellowship, and the fact that I have the privilege of being the director of Div Kids is a huge part of my heart for um, families and for strong families. Um, I long to see um, strong marriages that come along, alongside and support um, strong families. And I believe and I saw from a very early age how the church is just a big family made up of little families. And so every family um, is, is the first is the first church that a kid is going to recognize and understand. And so I just think that's so neat that God structured his, his world like that, um, that family, no matter how it's structured, it is the first church your kid's going to know. And so I long and I pray for strong families at Daniel Island Fellowship so that we can be a strong church. Um, and then strong kids. Um, I, I believe the trickle effect of all of that is going to be strong kids. And I already see that happening in um, the very youngest being leaders. Um, they're hungry for God's word downstairs, and I've been so excited to give them some of the things that I've been entrusted with, and um, I just want to be able to do that more and more to resource not only the kids, but the families however I can, um, because that's really my heart and my passion. Um, I think my biggest prayer is for growth, um, but not in terms of numbers. That's not what I mean. I mean 
um, primarily in depth and in width, if you want to think of it that way. Um, depth in the sense that as our church continues to, to grow um, and to exist, that we all learn more and more our place in God's story and the way that that impacts both us as individuals but collectively um, and how God has relationship with us and calls him to himself. Um, and then in width in the terms that our church would be um, a hub for change in the city and that 10 years from now, five years from now, that Charleston looks dramatically different because of the work that we're doing here um, and that people see and experience the love of God through each of us and through us as a um, united church. And I'll take this question to end the day or end this time. Um, my hope is that we'd be both big and small. Um, I believe, in, in terms of being big, I believe that this church is meant to multiply. Uh, I think our call is to be a church planning church um, that not only like impacts individuals and families here, but it impacts other neighborhoods, maybe around our city or other cities around the world. And um, I think if we live into our unique call and potential, um, that will just naturally happen. There are some strategic things we have in place to build on, but that's our hope. Um, we read in Jeremiah 29, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so I believe our church is called not to just build a special church for ourselves, but we need to seek the flourishing of our city. And we want to see other cities flourish through the ripple effect of our work. Um, that's on the big side. On the small side, I want every person here to have a radical, transforming encounter with Jesus Christ. I want everyone here to realize that they are loved with an eternal, everlasting love, as we read in Jeremiah as well. And that that changes everything. It changes your kids' lives. It changes your, your family's life, your network's lives. It changes everything. We're, anyway, and so we're salt and light, even in the smallest of ways how we greet one another, how we serve one another, sacrifice for one another. And that's, I think, the beautiful unity our staff has. This, so we've got the young guns up here, and then we, we have an older staff as well. Um, we, we have two older couples that combined have 98 years of marriage. What young church has that breadth and age of staff? Well, we do, and we have it intentionally, because we think we're supposed to serve kind of all generations and that we'll raise up generations together. So let me close this time with a word of prayer, and then we'll prepare for communion. So bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that whether these people have come to church their whole life, or it's their first Sunday in a long time, or their first Sunday ever, God, would they see your heart? God, would they count everything and realize it's nothing in comparison to these words that I have loved you with an everlasting love that they're made for eternal things may their lives be changed may they be united and may our church seek not only the flourishing of one another but our city and other cities around the world we pray all of this in Jesus name amen